Hello and welcome to the Nursery and Preschool Chat Room podcast. Join the Twinkle team as we talk about life as a preschool and nursery practitioner. We'll share our honest thoughts and experiences on a range of topics that affect early years practitioners every day in their settings. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Nursery and Preschool Chat Room. I'm Katie. And I'm Charlotte. And I'm Fliss. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about whether or not early years practitioners should have degrees. So let's just get stuck straight in. What do you guys think? Personally, I think they should, but I think that's coming from like my own experience. Like I've gone through and done an early childhood studies degree for three years, so I think I should be paid more for doing that. Mm-hmm. But I can see the argument why a lot of people who have been in early years for so long say, no, we should be paid more for our experience. Everyone should be equal. They do the same job, that sort of thing. But I also think you've gone to uni for three years. You've learned more than what you learn at level three. And if you're going to use that in practice, technically, your practice is meant to be better because you've got more knowledge and understanding. So that should be reflected in your pay. Agree. It seems to be very much a debate of knowledge versus experience, which is more important in an early year setting. Yeah, I mean, I have a degree as well, so I totally agree with the whole having a degree side of the debate, but then I have worked with people in an earlier setting that don't have a degree and have been really, really good, knowledgeable practitioners, and they have learned through the job and through other people. So, yeah, it is, it's a difficult one. I swear both ways, really. I think I look at it from the perspective of... The most equivalent job to what we do in a private setting is a teacher. So I've been a teacher and I've been in a private setting. And to me, the job is the same. There should be the same requirements of both jobs, but there isn't. When you think about an entry level role into a private setting, it could be someone who is fresh out of school and the only thing that they've got is their GCSEs. And actually, they don't particularly need those to get onto a level two because you can do that as part of the level two. So the starting point could be literally nothing. Whereas to start off in a teaching career, you need to be level six qualified before they let you teach. And that is a very different standard. And people see teachers as a lot more professional than private practitioners. And it's because of the degree, I think, because they have that foundation in knowledge. And I think the the pay reflects that. And I think the way that people view practitioners is really comes from the lack of degree because people respect teachers. But I've been told so many times that I'm a glorified babysitter. I once had parents say to me, oh, you've got a degree. Why do you work in a nursery? Why are you not a teacher? That's shocking. Why are you lowering yourself to this job because you have a degree? And I was like having a bit debate with them at the door, like, you know, I want to work with younger children and this is why I'm working in a nursery. But they couldn't understand why I'd gone to uni for four years to get a degree and I was working in a nursery. And like you said, Katie, I think it's because that sector isn't seen as being as professional as the teachers and people that work in schools. But I personally wanted to work in a nursery. You can see some parents do look down on early as practitioners just because they don't have maybe the education that teachers have. Nursery, obviously, from babies to preschool and the care needs are a lot more. So they see a big portion of the job being you're caring for them, not educating them. So they probably think the glorified babysitter, you're there for their care needs. But actually with the first five years being the most important, the education is just as important as the care needs as well. So like you say, they should be viewed as teachers. And I think the real big acknowledgement there is the birth bit. Because even when you look at the ratios, the only increase for a level six practitioner, that's only with the older children. So if you have a degree, they're trying to place you with the preschool children because they're closer to school age. But actually, we should be, we should be focusing from babyhood. 
When you're in a preschool room, you can see a difference between the children who have been at nursery since babies from the ones that only mm-hmm. just started when they're 30 hours. I think there's you can usually see quite a big developmental difference in them, in my opinion. I think one of the things that really holds private early year settings back is this, like as we were talking about, this babysitter view because it diminishes the knowledge needed to work with the children. So I think even when you ask practitioners, and even we've got degrees, so even when you ask us, like what makes a good early years practitioner? I think we all automatically would say things like being kind, being positive, getting on well with children, being able to form attachments. And all of these things are sort of like natural characteristics. They don't have a grounding in knowledge. And I think that's where the idea of a degree comes in. So I think because we have such a difference between those, I think people don't make that connection that the knowledge is actually super important. Whereas we understand that you need to have an understanding of what the different play theorists are, the different pedagogies that we have in early years and the impact they have and how to best implement those. And I think when you've got that, it gets better for the children. The downside of having this requirement of a degree means there's less people working in early years because it's, as we said, to get into a degree, you need to have done your GCSEs, your A-levels and being actually in a position where you can financially go to university. And that's not acceptable for everyone. So if we did have a degree requirement, I think you we would miss out on really good practitioners because they might not necessarily have the academic ability to do a degree, but they're fantastic at what they do with the children every day. I think that's where the argument also comes in where it's not, oh, you've got X many years of experience, you should be paid this much, or you've got a degree and you've only been in a setting for a year, you should be paid this much. You should also be reflective of the practice. Like We had a comment on um, social media when we put this out the other week and it says, if the degree is specifically in early childhood education, then yes, your knowledge and skill set are greater to provide quality care and education. Your pay should be reflective of this, same with any other career. Having said that, pay should also be reflective of personal practice, quality of work and zest for continued relevant knowledge and practice in the field. And I think if you've got that desire and you want to learn more whilst you're on the job and you're doing your CPD and stuff like that, you're wanting to get better, keep up to date with like recent research then you're going to become a better practitioner. So that should be reflected in your pay. Whereas if you could be fresh out of uni, yeah, you've got all the new knowledge, but you've not got the desire to continue to learn and your practice might not be necessarily that good, even though you're degree qualified, but you're getting paid more than someone who is wanting to better themselves after doing a level three. I think that's where it gets a bit tricky. So I think... I think you've made a really good point this because... From a lot of the people that I spoke to when I was researching this at uni, quite a lot of degree practitioners go straight into management roles, which if you're spending more of your time in the office doing admin and paperwork, you're not putting that degree into use because your degree doesn't teach you how to do invoicing. Your degree doesn't teach you how to manage staff. Your degree teaches you how to be with the children and how to better the environment for them. So it's a missed opportunity, but sometimes the only way to justify the increased level of pay for someone having a degree is to put them in that management position, which is doesn't necessarily add up. Yeah, I mean, I used to have to sometimes like fight to be in my room because I was the room leader. But I was also like, oh, can you just come into the office and do this? And I'd be like, but I need to be in my room. I need to be with the children. I have like 11, I have 11 key children. You know, I need to be... I need to know what's going on in there as well. I don't want to come in and think, like, why has that changed? What's going on there? Because I need to be in the loop. So you used to have to be like all the time, like, no, I'm not coming into the office to do invoices because somebody can't do it. 
I was like, you'll just have to leave it and do it later. It's quite a refreshing attitude, though. I'm sure we all worked with people who would, like, dive at the chance to get out of the room. Because, again, it's a hard job. But <laughs> I haven't met many people that were like, no, let me stay. <laughs> I had two manager roles. And one where was when I was in ratio half the day. And the other day, I was out doing rotors, blah, blah, boring stuff. And then I took a different job where I was in, like, ratio all the time. Except for half an afternoon a week where I went off to do the same coordinator things. And I much preferred the second role because I actually felt like I used my degree and I was like helping the staff. So I think that was a really important part. I also think that's a good thing is why I think managers and deputy managers still should have, still should have to be in the room. Like in your roles, you've had to be in the room, but in many settings, they probably don't go into the room. They are just in the office all the time unless they're needed in ratio. And I think one, it sets an example because especially if they're level six qualified, they can help the other practitioners with their practice and I think it just makes you continually develop better as well like how are you to manage a nursery when you're not keeping your own practice up to date yeah I always thought one of the solutions to having degrees in early years was making sure that there's a difference between a leader and a manager so a manager could do stuff that doesn't require the childhood knowledge so you could be looking at things like appraisals and the invoices admin and then a leader, like a practice leader, like you said, that's someone who, who has the degree and uses that information to role model on like the ground floor, what we're doing every day. They're like leading by example. And I think that's when a degree is appropriately used and how it should be used. Hmm. I know a few settings have that as a role, like a yeah. practice lead in the nursery. So like they have the manager, the deputy manager, and then a practice lead. And from looking at the pay scale, one, that nursery in general pays more for level six qualified anyway, mm-hmm. but their pay scale, it goes up in terms of where you are in the nursery, so like room leader, etc. But then practice lead comes, uh, I think it was like similar pay to deputy manager, uh, even though you're in the, set, in the rooms all the time, but you're the practice lead for the nursery and it's reflected in your pay. And I think that's like a really interesting role that maybe a lot more nurseries should adopt. Um, so we also had another comment from somebody off social media and it was, I reckon staff who are naturals should be paid more. Whereas when you say naturals, it's like, how do you... How do you judge that? Yeah, how do you judge that? Like, because I can say people that work, I know people that don't work in early years and they are really good with children. Like, I'd be like, oh, you're a natural with um, children but they don't have any knowledge on how to help children learn or, you know, anything to do with like the EYFS framework or anything like that. They're just good with children. So if you're saying, oh, pay people that are naturals and get on really well with the children, then that could be anybody. Like you could walk in off the street and just be someone who's like a natural with a, you know, with a child, you could play with them really well, but then do you know what sort of things you're teaching them? You do have that knowledge of like we said theorists and all these things to do with early years so I don't really think you can pay someone off whether or not they're a natural or not I would argue that I am actually not a natural with children like I don't think you I gravitate towards children and anytime anyone finds out that I've worked with children they're always like you I'm exactly the same Katie yeah I remember when I started my degree in early child all my friends were like you hate children why are you working with children yeah. and I was like I don't hate children I love the theory behind it I love learning about it and then I would work with children and I liked it but they always just had this perception of me that I hated children and I was like where have you got this from yeah but I actually like really like working with them but so obviously like to the open eye me and you probably aren't naturals but we're good as practitioners yeah, like I worked hard to learn about it and I think when you put me with children 
you see a very different person and I'm super biased against myself. I think I'm good with kids. So put me in a position where I'm in the room. I think I'm good at what I do. I make sure like the learning intentions are being met and developing, I'm extending. So I think I'm good at that. But I'm a bit sarcastic in reality. So I think you think I'm terrible with children. (laughs) So I think we can all agree based on the things that we said. The idea of the degree in early is private settings sounds great. But the reality is it's only worth enforcing that if it's used appropriately. So for this week's practitioner problems, we have a question and it is, do you have any ideas what to post on your nursery social media page to make it more engaging? That is a tricky one because people, you use your social media in a nursery to sort of attract families in as well, not just engage with the parents you already have. And then you've got so many things to contend with. Like, I always think putting activities that the children are in like of the music activities is a great shout but then you've got to contend with blah blah's not allowed to be on social media and making sure that you've either gone through and like edited them out somehow or that you don't put a picture on which is always a nightmare yeah I think it's good to have a mix on there because like you say putting the activities on but I, ma- I imagine most parents will be scrolling and they've already seen that picture of that activity on the daily diaries that day so like, oh I've already known they've done that like make something a bit more so like get involved with like doing like polls, putting like top tips out there, things that they're going to engage with a bit more. So maybe things that they don't necessarily hear from you directly when they're doing handover or like messages through like email and stuff, but like more like different sort of things like top tips on potty training and that sort of thing be a bit more engaging and like polls on stories yeah making them feel like they're involved in nursery life like if you know some settings update their menu every couple of months you could do like a vote online being like what should Mm -hmm. we include for the menu this month blah 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 blah. and I think those little decisions which don't technically have a huge impact on your actual day but make them feel involved are probably really important we once put on um, our social media the chance for a parent to interview with us so they could decide on sort of the staff members that we hired. Really? So we only did it a few times, but we just gave them the opportunity to be in the room when we interviewed people, just so they could get a feel of like how we did the process and if there was anyone that they thought would be really good working because it's nice to get the parents' perspective as well on somebody they'd like to look after their children. Did you get many people want to do it? Yeah, we had quite a few. We had one lady and she actually worked in school. And she was like, well, I'd love to see what your process is like. You no, know, she was really lovely, actually, really lovely. And yeah, she even asked some questions as well. If I was the practitioner being interviewed, I'd be a bit like, oh my gosh, <laughs> so many expectations on me right now. This is a, chi- a, a child's parent interviewing me. Stop judging me. <laughs> yeah. We also did like giveaways and things as well. That's so strange to me that like, we never did anything like that at my nursery. What were you giving away? Not like a car or like <laughs> a holiday or anything. Ferraris for everyone. Just like little hampers that we'd put together or we'd get donated from other companies. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd just raffle them off. And if it was like children in need or anything like that, we'd just put on like a little giveaway. I think as well, uh, you mentioned this before, Charlotte, but like videos of the nursery as well. Just so, especially now, because I think a lot of settings post-COVID don't actually let parents through the front door the inside if they can remember it is just a blank to them so it's nice to give them that context and as part of the video or image you could sort of like annotate it or put in the caption like we set this up because of a b c to show them like what you do and why and they can use that to not set up their own nursery at home but you know like extend home learning yeah yeah you could do um, like a, a staff post as well so they know who works in what rooms and who works in the setting because they don't always get to see everybody. Mm. So sometimes I feel like they don't always know who 
who else might be in contact with their child so great in theory but I know if someone had come up to me and tried to put a camera in my face while I was like working at nursery I'd have had like <laughs> snot from a kid on my face hair up in a scrape back bun no makeup on did you have your professional photo done at nursery no oh when the children had like their photos done we had our professional staff photos done oh my god and then it's like hung up in the display on the staff board and parents walking I would not like that on social media. It's fine being for the parents to see when they walk through the door, but half the time they probably don't look at it. But on social media, no, thank you. I don't want that there. Yeah, well, we had them clipped onto this, like, board. Random people's would go missing. That's so weird. Just, like, off the board. And, like, mine one's got nicked. And I was like, who's nicked a picture of me? That's weird. (laughs) That's so strange. So thank you for listening to another episode of the Nursery and Preschool chat room. As always, you can find us on any of our social media accounts. But in the meantime, we'll see you for the next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.